0: good morning. Welcome back to the broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN AM for Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. And our top story today, pensions for the next generation. And joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Idan Schlesinger is with October 3 Consulting. Idan, it's great to see you. Happy New Year. And thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning.
1: Thank you, Jeff. It's fantastic to be here.
0: Uh, you recently attended the International Pension Forum. You had a, a nice talk there. Do you mind sharing, uh, before we kind of get, dive into the, the state of pensions across the, the globe and in America, um, what was your
1: talk about? Uh, sure, absolutely. Uh, before solving the pension world, we can start there. Uh, it was a fantastic conference. Um, it's, a, it's an annual conference run by a great uh, firm in New Mexico City called Vitalis. Um, and, uh, the overall theme of the conference was around the next generation. So they're really thinking about how do you see finances broadly changing generation to generation and how do you solve some of those problems? Uh, my talk specifically was focused on the pension space. And so we explored how much of the pension world is stuck with these two extreme pension philosophies, the DB and the DC, and that each was really designed around a stereotype of what work and retirement was like for previous generations. So DB plans really were designed, uh, Beamer, boomers and before uh, have this focus on long careers with a single employer, stable collective retirement. And that was entirely replaced really with the Gen X vision of changing employment many times through a career, independence, individuality. That's really what DC plans are all about. And the problem, and this is what we explored, is that neither model is really fit for purpose going forward. And frankly, it's debatable whether they ever actually were. So as a result, what we're seeing is this growing retirement challenge around the world and a desire for employers and workers to come up with something a little bit better. And so that's really what we we focused our discussion on.
0: And you know what I really like about international events like the International Pensions uh, Forum is that you get to bring the best from all the countries. And, you know, America is not unique. It's unique in the sense of politically and and some of our demographics, but we're not unique in the sense that we're all, like other countries, dealing with aging populations, longevity, which I would argue longevity is not a bad thing, but it's a bad thing and it's a challenge to deal with from a a retirement perspective. And I want to ask you, uh, what did you learn about how other countries are dealing with some of these challenges? How, do, how, how did they, are there some best practices that you you found along the way?
1: It, it's a great question. And uh, I love the fact that only actuaries and retirement professionals can think longevity is a bad thing, uh, but that, <laughs> uh, that kind of brings us into it. Uh, you're absolutely right. We're seeing these challenges around the world. And what I really enjoy about these kinds of discussions is that it brings you back to principles as opposed to going kind of deep into a certain regulatory environment, which inevitably is what we have to do. So when we did look at this, uh, we did explore a bit of the innovation you're seeing around the world. And the themes are the same, as you say, the experiences really uh, are about how do you blend some of these aspects. So there's a recognition around the world that this DB and DC world is too extreme. And the interesting attempts are to bring features of one into the other and vice versa. And so I'll I'll mention a, a couple that we did talk about in the UK you're seeing experiments with what they are calling collective DC pension plans. So what is that? Well, essentially these are DC plans, they're keeping the DC structure, but they're trying to pull in some DB-like features. So how the assets are invested collectively for all members, allowing benefits to be paid as lifetime income. Uh, these are all kind of DBS features that are being put into a DC structure to make it more effective. And then by contrast in Canada, we've seen this growth of what we call target benefit plans, which really look and feel like DB plans, but they're trying to bring in the notions of fixed contributions, just like in DC plans. And to make that work, they're allowing trustees to adjust future, but also accrued benefits up and down based on experience and based on these clearly defined criteria and thresholds. So really what they're doing in both cases is recognizing these pure models are not really working and if we can bring in the best of one element into the other, we can actually come up with something better. So, cost predictability together with lifetime income and protection—that's kind of the actuarial trick we're working for.
0: Yeah, and I'm, look, I'm a—I'm not an actuary, but I am a retirement nerd. So, I think—I think—I uh, I agree with you that longevity—it sounds great, but there are some challenges dealing with that. Uh, let's go back to the U.S. retirement system, if we can, for a minute. And I know you talked about the two. Extremes, From your perspective and maybe October 3's perspective, um, where do you see the greatest opportunities? Is it somewhere in the middle with retirement income, dealing with the longevity, but also helping the employer manage their risk associated with the liabilities?
1: Absolutely. Um, similar uh, Similar sort of mindset. I think what we need to be looking at in the U.S., is breaking out of the strict either or mentality that we've had for too long. This notion that either you have a traditional DB plan or you have a 401k. And these days more and more the 401k is the default vehicle and it's just almost reflexive. Uh, we need to get back to thinking about objectives. What is the retirement plan actually for? And then recognize that we have multiple tools and each have different strengths and different capabilities. And then we can start matching them up and seeing what are we trying to do? So. If your objective is to incent tax advantaged retirement savings, then a 401k is a great vehicle to do that. On the other hand, if what you're looking to do is to provide lifetime retirement income security, we should be thinking about defined benefit plans, which are much more efficient than any other vehicle for that goal. And I think what's really gonna be key here then is to recognize that these don't have to be hard either or decisions, not everybody's the same. And so we need to figure out how do we introduce elements of flexibility and control into these vehicles so that people can actually select how much of one they want versus how much of the other. It's a mindset change that we're talking about. Yes, we can talk about specific features and specific regulations, but you need to start with that notion of what are you trying to do? How do you achieve it? And then you can start building the plan that actually works for you.
0: And and Idan, last question before we go to a commercial break, but you know the pendulum always swings back and forth, and you talk about that middle, the middle road. Are are traditional pension plans making a comeback for the chief financial officer and benefits managers? Are are they are they kind of rethinking this shift that we've had over the last forty years to DC? Are they thinking about the traditional pension again?
1: I'd say personally, I think that what they're rethinking is the uh, is the notion that it's. Uh, that is a hard one or the other. I think there's a recognition growing that the old plans that we moved away from weren't all bad and that the 401k plans that replaced them were not all good. And the question becomes, how do you put in place something that really keeps the best elements of both, really kind of that that best of both worlds notion? Um, I think it's, it's an interesting aspect when you actually think about this move from DB to DC really these are almost polar opposites of each other. Uh, DB plans are collective plans. They have defined lifetime income benefits and very highly variable employer costs. DC plans are individual accounts, which are fixed predictable costs, highly unpredictable benefits and generally paid as a lump sum. So it was a total switch. And when employers switched kind of on mass from DB to DC, it was in large part to get away from the cost variability, the financial statement. In fact, what the understanding that is coming across now is that in the process, we got rid of the good things too. We got rid of the collective investment strategy, the focus on lifetime income security, the efficiency. And so the discussions now, I don't think are so much around how do we go back to the good old days? Because I don't think those were all that great to begin with. Yeah. But I think they're more around how do we pick and choose the features that we liked, the features that we're missing now? How do we bring them into a modern design while avoiding the negative impact, while avoiding the uncertainty, while avoiding the financial statement impact? I think yeah. that's really what's happening. And that's the change in mindset that I believe is going to lead us to a new generation of plans that really are the best of both worlds. And that's really where our focus has been on October 3. Yeah,
0: and and you've really teed it up well. We need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about that hybrid concept and what benefits managers and CFOs may be looking for. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. We're joined this morning by Idan Schlesinger of October 3 Consulting. Idan, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning.
1: Thanks, Jeffrey. Looking forward to it. And,
0: and I like how we, you know, we had a great conversation in, in segment one. Uh, there's a lot to be learned around the world and there's a lot to be learned from how employers today are doing things across different segments of the economy. And I want to ask you about 03 Prime. How does this hybrid concept meet the needs of each employee uh, to provide retirement income get the, and get the individual comfortable with their retirement future?
1: Thanks for that question. Uh, Prime is really our concept for designing these pension plans for the future that take advantage of the best tools the best thinking that we have to satisfy both the employer and the employee objectives so when i think about pension design when i work with clients on this i like to think about four goals that we're trying to achieve number one we're looking to maximize retirement income without driving up costs so really what we're focusing there on is efficiency of the plan number two we're looking to drive the employee understanding and appreciation of the program. So, focus on engagement. Number three, we want to support the employer in their attraction, retention, their workforce management goals. So, think HR priorities. And number four, we want to very carefully manage the employer costs and the employer risks that are coming with any program that they take on. So, think financial sustainability. Now, if we can achieve all four of these objectives together, then what we have is a plan that's efficient, that's sustainable. And that's a true win-win for employers and for employees. And that's what this has to be. So to make all this work and under this prime framework, we're very strong believers in market return cash balance plans. Uh, This is a plan it's actually pretty unique to the U.S. It's a plan that we've been working with for many years, tons of experience with many clients on this front. And it's a really interesting plan notion that combines the best aspects of DB and DC. So it's providing participants with an account balance that they can understand, that they can track the growth of, that they can really appreciate. It delivers competitive market-based returns, really as good or better than what you see in a 401k environment. It delivers a really efficient source of guaranteed lifetime income, which is that goal that everybody's looking for right now. And at the same time, it really does protect employers financially and give them really good tools to manage their workforce. So putting all this together with a lot of the experience that we have, what we've done under Prime is taken that and added a bunch of extra innovations. Uh, what we want to do is take that and really make it a flexible model, give a lot of optionality to the participants to customize the outcomes to what they need. And then we need to help employers to really seamlessly communicate and administer these plans so that we can really deliver the best experience to the participants and also make it really easy for the employer. All that together, that's that's what Prime is.
0: And I have to tell you, the retirement industry is glacial. Uh, the financial services industry is glacial. Um, we're just starting now to talk about retirement income solutions and we're starting to see those, that greater adoption. So, so everything you've talked about with O3 Prime makes a lot of sense. But how do, you, how do you get this solution in the, in the minds and into the hands of the benefits manager, the CFO, to see greater adoption?
1: So the, the conversations we're having right now are exactly that. They're around um, understanding that there is a better way, understanding that there's a better model out there uh, to provide the outcomes that you're looking for uh, without taking on the challenges, without taking on the negativity. It's really interesting, you're absolutely right. We do see these glacial changes. We're seeing changes in the industry already, um, but they're happening in a bit of an odd place. So there's this notion that 401k is the model in the US, but at the same time, that retirement lifetime income is critical. And so there's all these attempts right now to bring lifetime income into the 401k space. And the challenge there, and I think there's a lot of conversation we're having, is that they're using the wrong tool for the job. We're trying to take a tool that's designed for for accumulation of assets, that accumulation of savings, that emphasizes account balances throughout the years. And then suddenly when people come to retirement, it's a bit of a bait and switch. And you're trying to convince people to suddenly spend that money on what they feel like is an uncertain and undefined lifetime income. I think the beauty of addressing this thing from the start is that you're having a very different conversation with your employees. You're educating them throughout their career, throughout their participation in the plan about the fact that they already have some very clear needs in retirement. They do need to have lifetime income security. They also need to have that flexibility. And what we're bringing to the table is a program that really delivers on both in a way that is efficient, that is effective, that helps employers, that helps the participants, and we've got the communications and the tools and the administration to really deliver it, to make it all sing. And that's what HR managers, that's what CFOs are looking for right now. They're looking to understand that not only is it doable, but it's efficient and it's effective and it's going to be easy for them to make it happen. And that's that's where we need to take this.
0: And, and, and by the way, it's attractive if you want to attract employees, because the whole point of offering benefits is you want to attract and retain uh, employees. Um, last question, I want to ask you, just kind of coming full circle, um, IBM recently announced that they were reopening their defined benefit plan. They're going to turn off contra- employer contributions to the K plan. And I wonder how different is that structure? What the, what, and again, I'm not, a, I'm not in the benefits meetings. We're not in the, be- the benefits meetings for IBM, but how does that structure differ or does it differ from what we're talking about this morning?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's it's certainly been a big story in the industry, um, and everybody has an opinion. And so I'll say up front again, as, as you said, we haven't been in the room with IBM. We don't know their internal considerations. So this is more kind of my, my own perspective from the outside as I look at what's been reported. The, um, the biggest element of the story in my mind uh, is that while so many employers, IBM included, had for years made the the 401k the cornerstone of their retirement plan, IBM has now decided to move away from that. And that's big news. That's a big, big message there. Um, Now it's reported that IBM has a large surplus parked in their closed defined benefit plan. And so they'll now be able to, by reopening that, reuse that surplus to fund their retirement promise. That's the right thing to do. That is uh, what we would have advised it makes good sense Those are assets that weren't doing anybody any good before. They were stuck in a closed plan. Now they're gonna be utilized productively. So again, that is a really good thing and good on IBM for accessing those assets and for demonstrating that you don't have to be, you don't have to treat the K plan as sacrosanct. If there's a better way of doing things, that's okay. And uh, we would have recommended the same. I think that's terrific. The details on the rest of how they structure this, that's where I'd say we'd have some differences uh, from certainly what we would recommend. Um, If I go back to think about the four criteria that I mentioned for prime, uh, I'd say they probably satisfy one of the four. So again, going back, the first was you wanna maximize benefits. You wanna have an efficient plan that delivers the most for the money being spent. The biggest issue here is that the approach that IBM is taking to investment returns on these new accounts is probably gonna be somewhat inefficient. It's gonna leave value on the table. It's not gonna deliver as much as it possibly could for the participants, so don't love that. Um, Number two, focus on employees, understanding, appreciation, engagement. At least what we've seen from the outside, it doesn't seem like that was very much of a focus for IBM. Uh, If anything, in the communications what we've seen is they've tried to downplay this change uh the third and actually going back to that they are real upsides they could be playing up and i don't think they have so maybe they still will we'll see what happens there the third you may use it as an hr tool attraction retention workforce management these are such key priorities for employers today it's a competitive market out there and we haven't seen any indication that this change is intended to be a positive element of IBM's workforce, uh, attraction or retention strategy. So again, maybe that could still change. Maybe there's still something coming, but we haven't seen it so far. And the fourth criteria is about effectively managing employer costs and risks. Now, largely achieved, the goal is to use the surplus. They're going to use that surplus to handle the costs from the plan. Um, e- even there, if we're going kind of strictly technical, they're probably taking on a little bit more cost variability than they have to. Uh, But in the context of a big surplus, they probably don't care. It's probably a pretty minor issue. So overall, as I look at this and think about how we would approach such such an exercise, uh, I would suggest that what IBM has done really well is they've shown us that you can move back to using your DB plan. It is a tool that's available. And in many cases, it can be more effective than the 401k plan particularly if you can access this trap surplus so congratulate them for doing that that is terrific that is the right thing to do but in terms of the details uh i believe they could have achieved more for themselves and their employees in the process and that's what again would be different if we followed more of the prime structure yeah
0: well i i certainly I, i i agree i applaud them i love the outside the box thinking and i think in today's environment all the things we talked about. You've got to think outside the box about how to deliver value to the organization, but also to the employee. Edom, we're going to have to leave it there. Great to talk to you. Great to see you. And thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning.
1: Thank you, Jeffrey. It's been fun to be here.
0: And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to? Drop us a line and don't forget for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more and all in one place. Check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, then visit our website. We're back again tomorrow with another edition of BRNAM. We'll have a very special guest. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.